0: All right, patriots, hardliners, warriors for Christ, it's time to stand up and take your nation back. Are you ready? It's time to assemble. It's time to return God back at the top of the throne where he belongs and get Christ back in our heart where he belongs. They've crossed this line one too many times and we are gonna take this nation back once and for all. Isaiah 42:13 reminds us, the Lord goes forth like a warrior, like a man of war, he stirs up his fury. He shouts out his battle cry against his enemies, he shows his might. And that's what we will do here at His line. We will show his might. They have crossed this line for the last time. So let's take this nation back. Let's get started.
1: Oh, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, wherever you're at in the world. It is Tuesday, August 30th here in West Michigan. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome to His Hard Line. And we are joined with another His Hard Line discussion. And today, today is an interesting topic. Now, the this show and the show that I'll be doing on Friday, it's gonna be there's gonna be a part two to this because it's so long. Um, I had to break it up in two pieces. Now, the 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 format of which I'm going to be doing this uh, channel or this this particular show uh, today and Friday. Um, so I'm going to be playing a 30 minute piece. Okay, now this is not what I typically do, but it's very relevant that you all hear this. And I'm going to pause this in between certain key. Um, uh, sections of, of the audio, if you will, in the video of which I pulled this from, I'm going to share this with you. I'll put the link. I'm going to end up putting up just like I did yesterday with yesterday's, um, update for the assembly. I put a link for the rumble account of that clear view where that, you know, that hour and a half video that I think everybody needs to see. And if you haven't seen it by now, go back to yesterday's, uh, um, assembly update and more show, uh, go to the show notes. You can find the rumble account. Um, go watch that video by uh, Derek Johnson. He's a former Army veteran who had a, uh, some sort of level of top secret clearance. He didn't really give go into specifics of, of what level, but he definitely had, um, I guess, what's called Q clearance. And I know, yes, I know because of Q. Yeah, I get it. Um, but I guess there is such a thing called Q clearance in the military, Um, all above my head. I don't know anything about that because I'm not in the military, so I can't speak firsthand on any of that. I am learning just like you, but I recommend go listening to that video because that guy drops a lot of solid truths based on military and federal law and regulations. And so I really highly suggest you go listen to that. Now today, the video of which I've pulled a sound clip from. And again, I pulled it, I've divided it up in two sections and the second segment I'm going to play on Friday. And it's about Nassara and it goes over the history. Now I know there are podcasters out there. I know there's people that poo poo Nassara. They say, Oh, if anybody's telling you about Nassara and you know, it's, you know, you're going to, everybody's going to get rich and everybody's going to get this big lump sum of money, blah, 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 blah. It's like, look, that it's, it's not really, I don't think how it's all going to work out like that. Okay. Because if everybody got dropped this big, huge lump sum of money, you got to think about this from a very logical standpoint. If everybody in the world, or I'll just say in this nation, right? If everybody in the nation, all of a sudden, Nassara hits, right? Nasara, it gets activated. And it, and the sound clip explains what Nassara um, stands for. But let's just say that that was a, a part of Nassar, right? Everybody gets this big helicopter amount of money because of the amount of money that the cabal has stolen from us. And, you know, we switch over this new financial system. And because of how raped and pillaged we had become over the decades and really centuries out of our pockets financially, because, you know, all this money has been stolen from us via taxes and registrations and licenses and so on and so forth, then all of a sudden everybody became instant millionaires. Well, you know what would happen to the nation? You know what would happen to the economy? It would crash worse than what we saw in 2020. Nobody would want to work. Who would want to work when you're sitting on a pile of cash? So I don't personally think that's how that's going to play out. To be quite honest with you, Nassar goes way beyond just getting a big boatload of cash. Okay, now I think that there is going to be some sort of element to that, to where maybe, it, you know, there's a certain amount of money. I don't know. I don't even want to assume. But the whole bottom line is, is there's so much to Nassar than what people are assuming and what people are only talking about was no taxes and, you know, we're going to get a boatload of money. It goes way beyond that. Okay, it goes way beyond that. And actually, Destry just made a very solid point. If everybody becomes rich, then nobody will be rich. Think about it. Okay, that's not how Nassara works. But I know there's voices out there that are poo-pooing it, saying, oh, if you hear anybody out there talking about Nassara, it's a bunch of bull crap and, and not to listen to those voices. Listen, like that kid, I don't even want to call him a kid. I don't even know how old he is. But that guy, Derek Johnson from yesterday, He said it best step out of your opinions step out of your comfort zone step out of what you know step out of everything that you think you know and listen with an open mind but again as i will always say pray to god for that discernment to help you sift out whether or not what you're hearing and listening to is bull crap and BS and lies. Okay. I don't strive to pull the wool over your eyes, ladies and gentlemen, I'm like you, I want truth and I want nothing more than to get truth out there to people, especially when it comes and relates to the assembly of people. Because once we have our 38 States, let me tell you something, then you will see freedom for what it really is. Then, you will start to understand and comprehend and, and enjoy the benefits of sovereignty, true sovereignty. At that point is when you're going to be able to keep more of your hard-earned money and not have it raped and pillaged out of your pockets, go into a government which squanders it or keeps it in their own pockets to self-enrich themselves. Okay? there's a lot of, there's a lot of facets to what's going on between the assemblies and with Nasara. Now there's a few things that I'm going to pause in the middle of this audio that I'm going to point out. Now this video came out, I believe it was dropped on, uh, in 2016. It's called change on the horizon part three. I have not listened to part one or part two. But this video was forwarded to me again by Destry. I watched it, I listened to it. I actually listened to it about three or four times now. Believe it or not, there is a couple of references. There's one solid reference in here with regards to the assembly, the interim government of the Dijour Republic. Now, the guy that you'll hear, there's a name. There's a guy in here, a military, a former military. Um, I want to say it was a general. Uh, he was retired. I, I hope I don't butcher his name, Swa- Swassinger, I believe, that you're going to hear this name in the story. Now, Swassinger is this, this retired general who who you're going to hear a lot of in this sound piece. Again, it's 30 minutes, and I know, you know me. I normally don't do this, guys, but you have to hear this, which is why I'm breaking it up into different podcasts so it's easily digestible. The, we have somebody in the assembly. I'm not going to name his name. Because just, you know, the only one I'll really name his name is because he he doesn't mind it. He makes it very apparent on through social. That's Destry Payne. He is an assembly member. I'm not going to give much more information than that, but anybody outside of that, if I don't give you a first name or if I give you a first name, I'm certainly not giving you a last name. Or if they don't want to be mentioned at all, even if there is no last name, I'm not going to mention his first name. But there is somebody who is an office holder within the Michigan General Journal Assembly, who was the secretary for this General Swassinger that we're going to be hearing about. We're going to be hearing about in this sound piece about trials that took place in Michigan. So there's a lot that you really need to hear to gain full understanding of what really is going on, what and what NASARA really truly is, because there's a lot of disinformation out there regarding NASARA. So I guess without really further ado, I'm going to stop blabbering on here. Like I said, this piece is 30 minutes. I'm going to pause it throughout, and we're going to discuss certain segments of it. And then we're going to round it out at the end here. So let me just find this here. Here we go.
2: Since the fall of Atlantis, Satan and his minions have been working tirelessly to end all goodness on this planet. But God and the Brotherhood of Light have put together their own plan to defeat the dark side. Throughout history, many prophets have come forth to speak of the coming Golden Age of Humanity. This truth was made known only to fall silent on the deaf ears of the ignorant masses. But change is on the horizon. The power grab of the Elite is coming to an end. With all their power and money, the bankers thought themselves to be above the law, but cracks were now appearing in their foundations. Angry Americans were beginning to fight back. A class action lawsuit was brewing, which would threaten to change the balance of power. This change began in the mid-1970s, when the Federal Land Bank illegally foreclosed on farmers' mortgages all throughout the Midwest. In each of these cases, the farmers were defrauded by the banks with the approval of the Federal Reserve System. These court cases would eventually become known as the Farmer's Claims Program. In 1978, an elderly ranch farmer in Colorado purchased a farm with a loan from the Federal Land Bank. After he died, the property was passed on to his son, Roy Swassinger Jr., who was a retired military general. Soon after, A federal land bank officer and federal marshal appeared on his property and informed him the bank was foreclosing on his farm and to vacate within 30 days. Without his knowledge, his deceased father signed a stipulation, which reverted the property back to the federal land bank in the event of the borrower's death. Outrage, Roy Swassinger filed a class action lawsuit in the Denver federal court system, but the case didn't go very far and the suit was dismissed from filing incorrectly. This began Roy Swessinger's investigation into the inner workings of the banking system. In 1982, he was given a contract by the U.S. Senate and later the Supreme Court to investigate banking fraud. But because he was under a strict non-disclosure order, he was not allowed to tell the media what he discovered. In the late 80s, he began sharing his knowledge with others, including high-ranking military personnel, who helped bring about a class-action lawsuit against the federal government. The first series of these lawsuits began in the mid-1980s when William and Shirley Baskerville of Fort Collins, Colorado were involved in a bankruptcy case with First Interstate Bank of Fort Collins, who was trying to foreclose on their farm. At a restaurant, their lawyer informed him that he would no longer be able to help them and walked off. Overhearing the conversation, Roy Swassinger offered his advice on how to appeal the case in bankruptcy court. So in 1987, they filed an appeal with the United States District Court in Colorado. On November 3, 1988, the Denver federal court system ruled that indeed the banks had defrauded the Baskervilles and proceeded to reverse its bankruptcy decision. But when the foreclosed property was not returned, they filed a new lawsuit. Eventually, 23 other farmers, ranchers, and Indians, swindled by the banks in the same manner, would join in the case. In these cases, the banks were foreclosing on the properties using fraudulent methods such as charging exorbitant interest, illegal foreclosure, or by not crediting mortgage payments to their account as they should have, but instead would steal the mortgage payments for themselves, triggering foreclosure on the property. After running out of money, they continued their fight without the help of lawyers. With some assistance by the farmers' union, a new lawsuit was filed against the Federal Land Bank and the Farmer's Credit System. The District Court ruled in their favor and ordered the banks to return the stolen properties with help from either Federal Marshals or the National Guard. But when no payments were made, the farmers declared Involuntary Chapter 7 bankruptcy against the Federal Land Bank and the Farmer's Credit System. The banks appealed their case, insisting they were not a business, but a federal agency. Therefore, they were not liable to pay the damages, so the farmers' legal team adopted a new strategy. According to the Federal Land Bank's 1933 charter, they are not allowed to make loans directly to applicants, but instead could only back loans as a guarantor in case of default. Because the Federal Land Bank had violated this rule, the farmer's legal team was able to successfully sue the bank for damages. Word of the lawsuit began to spread. The legal team would teach others how to fight foreclosure and to help them file lawsuits as well. Celebrities, such as Willie Nelson, joined in the case and helped raise money during his farm aid concerts. Here's a short clip of Willie Nelson describing in his own words the series of events leading up to the Farmers Claims legal case.
3: This whole thing started when agriculture collapsed. He was saying the that right The housing thing came second. T- tell us about it. Well, you know, I've been in Farm Aid a long time and yeah. I, I've been seeing Such 8 million family farmers leave the farm. And uh, there, there was 8 million, and now there's less than 2 million, losing three to 500 a week. Yep. The reason they're going is because they're going out and taking the land back. And now they're taking the houses back that they sold. I mean, they told the farmer to plant you know, fence post to fence post. We'll take care of you, buddy. Loaned him more money than he can pay back. And then he wound up losing his farm. Yep. Same thing happened to the house owner. Loaning more money than he can pay back. Now, the next thing you know, uh, the government's got all the land, all the money, and we just give the assholes $700 million more, do- billion more dollars.
2: The Baskerville case had now become the farmer claims class action lawsuit. Worried about the legal ramifications, the government retaliated against the farmers by hitting them with either outrageous IRS fees or by imprisoning the legal team under frivolous, non-related charges. When the farmers realized they were being unfairly targeted, they had military generals, such as General Roy Swassinger sit in the courtroom to make sure the bribe judges would vote according to constitutional
1: law. Now, listen to that for a second. There is military generals that were sitting in that courtroom to make sure that the bribe judges were making sure, that, that they made sure that the bribe judges were following the constitutional law. Like I was saying yesterday, I truly see we have three governments right now. You got the military government, which has always been really since George Washington, because George Washington started the military government. And that you can read, I believe, I can't remember if I read that in the culling of man or the expose. I want to say it was the expose of the great American adventure. But you have a military government with its own set of rules and laws. You got the federal government, which right now, the ones in charge of the federal government is the corporation, the United States corporation, which is foreign owned. And then the third government, which is the one that is receding the seats that have been sitting vacant, you know, the, you know, where the one that's returning to your original jurisdiction, that's we, the people in assembly. And reseeding the seats that have sat vacant since 1861, that's the interim de jure Republican form of government. That's the one that's coming back. This is why it's important we get our 38 states. But I I, I digress a little bit. So if you pay attention to what he was just saying, you have a military, you got military generals sitting in a courtroom to make sure that the bribed and paid off judges follow constitutional law that should tell you something right there. Let's continue.
2: The Farmers Now, with a large team of knowledgeable people with the law behind them, filed a new case to claim additional damages from the fraudulent lending activities of the Farmers Credit System. The government tried to settle, but they had already lost many cases and were now losing the appeals as well. More and more evidence was collected. According to the National Banking Act, all banks were required to register their charters with the Federal and State Bureau records. But none of the banks complied, allowing the legal team to sue the Farmers Credit System. Not only was the Farmers Credit System not chartered to do business with the American Banking Association, but so were other quasi-government organizations, such as the Federal Housing Administration, the Department of Housing and Urban Development, and even the Federal Reserve Bank. The Farmers Claim lawsuit was thrown out of court at each level, with the records purposely destroyed. So in the early 1990s, Roy Schlesinger brought the case before the United States Supreme Court. Some of the content of this case is sealed from public eyes, but most of it can be viewed today. Almost unanimously, the U.S. Supreme Court justices ruled that the Farmers Union claims were indeed valid. Therefore, all property foreclosed by the Farmers Credit System was illegal, and those who were foreclosed on would have to receive damages. In addition, they ruled that the U.S. federal government and banks had defrauded the farmers and all U.S. citizens out of vast sums of money and property. And furthermore, the court ruled the shocking truth that the IRS was a Puerto Rican trust, that the Federal Reserve was unlawful. That
4: yeah, you hear that?
1: The IRS is a trust in Puerto Rico. And so the majority of our income taxes that we pay, just a little sidebar, yeah, that goes to the crown. goes to Britain imagine that.
2: that the income tax amendment was only ratified by four states and therefore was not a legal amendment that the IRS code was not enacted into positive law within the code of federal regulations and how the US government illegally foreclosed on farmers homes with help from federal agencies irrefutable proof was presented by a retired CIA agent he provided testimony and records of the bank's illegal activities to lead further evidence that the farmer union claims were indeed legitimate. The implications of such a decision were profound. All gold, silver, and property titles taken by the Federal Reserve and IRS must be returned to the people. The legal team sought assistance from a small group of benevolent visionaries consisting of politicians, military. Uh-oh, what happened? military generals and business people who have been secretly working to restore the constitution since the mid-1950s. Somehow within their ranks, a four-star U.S. Army General received title and receiver of the original 1933 United States bankruptcy. When the case was brought before the United States Supreme Court, they ruled in his favor, giving the Army General title over the United States, Incorporated. Legal action was then passed on to the Senate Finance Committee and Senator Sam Nunn, who was working with Roy Swasinger.
3: I will tell you the
1: price of buying back the United States government its $500 million a year. In the early 90's Newt Gingrich and the Republicans got together, their plan is now on the street, it's been exposed by a Columbia professor. They concluded that they could buy the United States government from school board to state house to White House for $300 million a year and by golly they did.
2: With help from covert congressional and political pressure, President George H.W. Bush issued an executive order on October 23, 1991, which provided a provision allowing anyone who has a claim against the federal government to receive a payment as long as it's within the rules of the original format of the case. According to the Federal Reserve Act of 1913, all present and succeeding debts against the U.S. Treasury must be assumed by the Federal Reserve. Thus. The Farmers' Legal Team was able to use that executive order to not only force the Federal Reserve to pay out damages in a gold-backed currency, but allow them to receive legal ownership over the bankruptcy of United States, Incorporated. To collect damages, the Farmers' Legal Team used an obscure attachment to the 14th Amendment, which most people are not aware of. After the Civil War, the government allowed citizens to claim a payment on anyone who suffered damages as a result of the federal government failing to protect its citizens from harm or damages by a foreign government. President Grant had this attachment sealed from public eyes, but somehow someone on the farmer's legal team got a hold of it. If you listen to that carefully, it specifies damages by a foreign government. That foreign government is the corporate federal government, which has been masquerading to the public as a constitutional government. Remember. This goes back to the Organic Act of 1871 and the Trading with the Enemies Act of 1933, which defined all citizens as enemy combatants under the federal system known as the United States. The justices and farmers' legal team recognized how evil and corrupt our federal government had become, and to counteract this, they added some provisions in the settlement to bring the government back under control. First, they would have to be paid using a lawful currency, backed by gold and silver, as the constitution dictates. This would eliminate inflation and gyrating economic cycles created by the Federal Reserve System. Second, they would be required to go back to common law instead of admiralty law under the gold French flags. Under common law, if there is no damage done or harm done, then there is no violation of the law. This would eliminate millions of laws, which are used to control the masses, and protect corrupt politicians. Lastly, the IRS would have to be dismantled and replaced with a national sales tax. This is the basis of the Nassara Law. When the legal team finally settled on a figure, each individual would receive an average of $20 million payout per claim. Multiplied by a total of 336,000 claims that are filed against the U.S. federal government, the total payout will come out to a staggering $6.6 trillion. The U.S. Supreme Court placed a gag order on the case, struck all information from the federal registry, and placed all records in the Supreme Court files. Up to that point, Senator Sam Nunn had kept the Baskerville case records within his office. A settlement was agreed to out of court and the decision was sealed by Janet Reno. Because the case was sealed, claimants are not allowed to share court documents to media outlets without violating the settlement, but they can still tell others about the lawsuit. This is probably why you haven't heard about this. In 1991, General Lloyd Swasinger went before a Senate committee to present evidence of the banks and government's criminal activity. He informed them how the Corporation of the United States was tied to the establishment of a New World Order which would bring about a fascist one-world government ruled by the international bankers. So in 1992, a task force was put together consisting of over 300 retired and 35 active U.S. military officers who strongly supported constitutional law. This task force was responsible for investigating government officials, congressional officers, judges, and the Federal Reserve they uncovered the common practice of bribery and extortion committed by both senators and judges
3: and every single member of Congress is impeachable for having abdicated their article one responsibilities under the Constitution and serving as foot soldiers uh, for the president and his mendacious vice president
2: the criminal activity was so rampant that only two out of 535 members of Congress were deemed honest but more importantly they carried out the first ever audit of the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve was used to giving out orders to politicians and had no intentions of being audited. However, after they were informed their offices would be raided under military gunpoint if necessary, they complied with the investigation. After reviewing their files, the military officers found $800 trillion sitting in accounts which should have been applied to the national debt, and contrary to federal government propaganda, They also discovered that most nations had in fact owed money to the United States instead of the other way around. These hidden trillions were then confiscated and placed into European bank accounts in order to generate the enormous funds needed to pay the Farmer Claims Class Action Lawsuit. Later, this money would become the basis of the prosperity programs. Despite these death blows, President George H.W. Bush and the Illuminati continued on with their plans of global enslavement. When we are successful,
3: and we will be, we have a real chance at this new world order, an order in which a credible United Nations can use its peacekeeping role to fulfill the promise and vision of the UN's founders. In
2: August 1992, the military officers confronted President Bush and demanded that he sign an agreement that he would return the United States to constitutional law and ordered him to never use the term New World Order again. Bush pretended to cooperate, but secretly planned to bring about the New World Order anyway by signing an executive order on December 25, 1992, that would have indefinitely closed all banks, giving Bush an excuse to declare martial law. Under the chaos of martial law, Bush intended to install a new constitution which would have kept everyone currently in office in their same position for 25 years, and it would have removed all rights to elect new officials. The military intervened and stopped Bush from signing that executive order. In 1993, members of the Supreme Court, certain members of Congress and representatives from the Clinton government met with high-ranking U.S. military officers who were demanding a return to constitutional law, reforms of the banking system, and financial redress. They agreed to create the farm claims process which would allow the legal team to set up meetings all over the country on a grassroots level to help others file claims and to educate them about the lawsuit. A claim of harm can be made on any loan issued by a financial institution for all interest paid, foreclosures, attorney and court fees, IRS taxes or liens, real estate and property taxes, mental and emotional stress caused by the loss of property, stress-related illnesses such as suicide and divorce, and even warrants, incarceration and probation could also be claimed. But the Clinton government undermined their efforts by requiring the farm claims to use a specific form designed by the government. This form imposed an administrative fee of $300 for each claim, which was later used in 1994 as a basis to arrest the leaders of the legal team, including Roy Swasinger. The government was so afraid of what they would say during their trial in Michigan, that extra steps were taken to conceal the true nature of the case. County courthouse employees were not allowed to work between Monday and Thursday during the course of the trial, and outside the courthouse, FBI agents swarmed the perimeter, preventing the media and visitors from learning what was going on as well. Harassment and retaliation by the government increased. Many were sent to prison or murdered while incarcerated. Despite being protected by his military personnel, the Army General, who acquired the original 1933 title of bankruptcy of the United States, was imprisoned, killed, and replaced with a clone. This clone was then used as a decoy to prevent any further claims from being filed. During the first Clinton administration, the military delayed many of Clinton's federal appointments until they were sure these individuals would help restore constitutional law. One such individual who promised to bring about the necessary changes was Attorney General Janet Reno.
3: If Bill and Hillary Clinton come and tell Webb Hubble to tell me to do something wrong, I'm going to say, Webb, I'm not going to do it.
2: In agreement with the Supreme Court ruling on June 3, 1933, Janet Reno ordered the Delta Force and Navy SEALs to Switzerland, England, and Israel to recapture trillions of dollars of gold stolen by the Federal Reserve System from the Strategic Gold Reserves. These nations cooperate with the raid because they were promised their debts owed to the United States would be cancelled and because the people who stole money from the United States also stole money from their nations as well. This bullion is to be used for the new currency backed by precious metals. It is now safely stockpiled at the NORAD complex in Colorado Springs, Colorado and four other repositories. Janet Reno's actions so enraged the powers that be that it resulted in her death. She was then replaced with a clone and it was this creature that was responsible for covering up the various Clinton scandals. To keep the Secretary of the U.S. Treasury, Robert Rubin, in line, he too was also cloned. For the remainder of their term in office, both Reno and Rubin received their salaries from the International Monetary Fund as foreign agents and not from the U.S. Treasury. Despite these actions, the legal team continued on with their fight while managing to avoid bloodshed and a major revolution. After 1993, the Farmers' Claims process name was changed to bank claims. Between 1993 and 1996, the U.S. Supreme Court required U.S. citizens to file bank claims to collect damages paid by the U.S. Treasury Department. This process closed in 1996. During this time, the U.S. Supreme Court assigned one or more justices to monitor the progress of the rulings. They enlisted help of experts in economics, monetary systems, banking, constitutional government and law, and many other related areas. These justices built coalitions of support and assistance with thousands of people worldwide known as White Knights. The term White Knights was borrowed from the world of big business. It refers to a vulnerable company that is rescued by a corporation or a wealthy person from a hostile takeover.
1: Let me pause there for a second. White knights—does that kind of sound a little something familiar, like white hats? You know, I was also reading somewhere else—I can't remember—I think it was the uh, the Great American Adventure, the expose by the retired Judge Dale. I believe he referred to them in his expose as the white helmets. I found it very interesting how they called this the white knights. Continuing.
2: To implement the required changes, the five justices spent years negotiating how the reformations would occur. Eventually, they settled on certain agreements, also known as accords, with the U.S. government, the Federal Reserve bank owners, the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank, and with numerous other countries including the United Kingdom and countries of the Eurozone. Because these banking reformations will impact the entire world, the IMF, World Bank, and other countries had to be involved. The reformations require that the Federal Reserve be absorbed by the U.S. Treasury Department, and the bank's fraudulent activities must be stopped and payment must be made for past harm. In 1998, the military generals who originally participated in the farmer claims process realized that the U.S. Supreme Court justices had no intentions of implementing the Accords, so they decided the only way to implement the reformations was through a law passed by Congress. In 1999, a 75-page document known as the National Economic Security and Reformation Act was submitted to Congress, where it sat with little action for almost a year. Late one evening, on March 9, 2000, a written quorum call was hand-delivered by Delta Force and Navy SEALs to 15 members of the U.S. Senate and the U.S. House, who were sponsors and co-sponsors of NASARA. They were immediately escorted by the Delta Force and Navy SEALs to the respective voting chambers where they passed the National Economic Security and Reformation Act. These 15 members of Congress were the only people lawfully allowed to hold office in accordance with the original 13th Amendment. Remember, British soldiers destroyed copies of the Titles and Nobility Amendment in the War of 1812 because it prevented anyone who had ties to the Crown of England from holding public office. Nassar is the most groundbreaking reformation to sweep not only this country, but our planet in its entire history. The act does away with the Federal Reserve Bank, the IRS, the shadow government, and much, much more. Nassar implements the following changes. zeroes out all credit card, mortgage, and other bank debt due to illegal banking and government activities. This is the Federal Reserve's worst nightmare, a jubilee, or a forgiveness of debt. Abolishes the income tax. Abolishes the IRS. Employees of the IRS will be transferred into the U.S. Treasury National Sales Tax Area. Creates a 14% flat rate, non-essential, new items-only sales tax revenue for the government. In other words, food and medicine will not be taxed, nor will used items such as old homes. Increases benefits to senior citizens. Returns constitutional law to all courts and legal matters. Reinstates the original title nobility limit. Hundreds of thousands of Americans, under the control of foreign powers, will lose their citizenship, be deported to other countries, and barred from re-entry for the remainder of their life.
1: Ooh, did you hear that? Hundreds of thousands of Americans will lose their citizenship and be deported and never to come back. Do you understand why going to the State National Assembly under AVR and all that other crap that they peddle over there, David Strait and all that nonsense, why that's dangerous? You do not status correct because when you status correct, you are intertwining yourself in the back door with the federal, with the U.S. corporate government. What you're doing is basically, yeah, you're making, you're basically rescinding your your true <laughs> Basically, what you're doing is you're going to make yourself a foreigner in this in your in, on on your own nation Is what you're doing? You need to hear that Continuing
2: and millions of people will soon discover their college degrees are now worthless paper Establishes new presidential and congressional elections within 120 days after Nassar's announcement the intern government will cancel all national emergencies and return us back to constitutional law
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's back up for a second. Did you hear just what he said? The interim government. The interim government will cancel all national emergencies. The interim government. Hmm. What do we have, ladies and gentlemen? That's the interim government. I think that would be the National Assembly, you know, the one that's returning back to constitutional law, you know, law of the land, common law. The de jure Republican form of government. I think that's the interim government that he's referring to. Continuing.
2: Monitors elections and prevents illegal election activities of special interest groups. Creates a new U.S. Treasury rainbow currency backed by gold, silver, and platinum precious metals. Ending the bankruptcy of the United States initiated by Franklin Roosevelt in 1933. Forbids the sale of American birth certificate records as chattel property bonds by the U.S. Department of Transportation. Initiates new U.S. Treasury bank system in alignment with constitutional law. Eliminates the Federal Reserve System. During the transition period, the Federal Reserve will be allowed to operate side-by-side of the U.S. Treasury for one year in order to remove all Federal Reserve notes from the money supply. Restores financial privacy. Retrains all judges and attorneys in constitutional law. Ceases all aggressive U.S. government military actions worldwide. Establishes peace throughout the world. Releases enormous sums of money for humanitarian purposes. Enables the release over 6,000 patents of suppressed technologies that are being withheld from the public under the guise of national security, including free energy devices, anti-gravity, and sonic healing machines.
3: I want the American people to know today that I am still committed to working with people of good faith and goodwill of both parties to do what's best for our country.
2: Because President Clinton's clone had no interest in signing Nassar into law, on October 10, 2000, under orders from U.S. military generals, the elite naval SEALs and Delta Force stormed the White House and under gunpoint forced Bill Clinton to sign Nassar into law. During this time, Secret Service and White House security personnel were ordered to stand down, disarmed, and allowed to witness this event under a gag order. From its very inception, Bush Sr., the corporate government, major bank houses in the Carlyle Group have opposed Nassara. To maintain secrecy, the case details and the docket number were sealed and revised within the official congressional registry to reflect a commemorative coin, and then again, it was revised even more recently. This is why there are no public congressional records and why a search for this law would not yield the correct details until after the reformations are made public. You probably never heard of this law due to an extremely strict gag order placed upon politicians, media personnel, and bank officers. Even though Alex Jones or Ron Paul will not tell you about it, the law is still valid. And members of Congress will not tell us any of this because they have been ordered by the U.S. Supreme Court justices to deny the existence of Nassara, or face charges of treason punishable by death. Some members of Congress have actually been charged with obstruction.
3: We're here to the nation's capital to tell the story that we've got an economic convulsion in agriculture, we got a lot of broken dreams, a lot of broken lives, a lot of broken families, and we're not going to take it any longer.
2: Minnesota Senator Paul Wellstone was about to break the gag order, but before he could, his small passenger plane crashed, killing his wife, daughter, and himself. If fear isn't enough to keep Congress in line, money is. The CIA routinely bribes senators with stolen loot from the bankroll programs. Every senator has been bribed with a minimum of $200 million deposited into a Bank of America account in Canada. You would never hear the media networks report about Nassara, to maintain silence, major news networks such as CNN are paid in the tune of $2 billion annually. Some of the salute is funneled by the Mormon Church in Utah through Senator Orange Hatch's office in Bank of America. Not only is Congress bribed, but the entire Joint Chief of Staff and the upper tier of the government, including the President himself, receives these payments as well. Only the Provost Marshal has the lawful authority to arrest these individuals, but sadly, he won't do his job either. It seems the United States military is full of pencil-pushing politicians who care more about advancement than doing their job. And not surprisingly, much disinformation about Nassara can be found on the internet. Prominent naysayers include Quatloos.com, which is rumored to be a CIA front, Nassara.org, which is maintained by the Bush family, Sherry Schreiner, and various internet channelers receiving their messages from telepathic spooks have all contributed to the confusion. Even the information on Wikipedia is in error. Wikipedia gives you the history of CIA agent Harvey Bernard's Nassara Law. If you look closely, this law stands for the National Economic Stabilization and Recovery Act which would have made reforms to the economy and replaced the income tax with a national sales tax. This law was rejected by Congress in the 1990s. But there is little mention of the National Economic Security and Reformation Act on Wikipedia or its ramifications. The next step is to announce Nassara to the world, but it's not an easy task to do. Many powerful groups have tried to prevent the implementation of Nassara. The Nassara law requires that at least once a year, an effort be made to announce the law to the public. Three current US Supreme Court judges control the committee in charge of Nassara's announcement. These judges have used their overall authority to secretly sabotage Nassara's announcement. In 2001, After much negotiation, the Supreme Court justices ordered the current Congress to pass resolutions approving Nassara. This took place on September 9, 2001, 18 months after Nassara became law. On September 10, 2001, George Bush Sr. moved into the White House to steer his son on how to block the announcement. The next day, on September 11, 2001, at 10 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, Alan Greenspan was scheduled to announce the new U.S. Treasury Bank System, Debt Forgiveness for All U.S. Citizens, and Abolishment of the IRS as the first part of the public announcements of Nassara. Just before the announcement at 9 a.m., Bush Sr. ordered the demolition of the World Trade Center to stop the International Banking Computers on Floors 1 and 2 in the North Tower from initiating the new U.S. Treasury Bank System. Explosives in the World Trade Center were planted by both CIA and Mossad operatives and detonated remotely in Building 7, which was demolished later that day in order to cover up their crime. Remote pilot technology was used in a flyer event to deliver a payload of explosives into the Pentagon at the exact location of the White Knights and their new Naval Command Center, who were coordinating activities supporting the implementation nationwide. With the announcement Nassara stopped dead in his tracks, George Bush Sr. decapitated any hopes of returning the government back to the people. While CIA agent Osama bin Laden is made into the boogeyman, the country dashed off to fight a war on terror. The events of 9-11 eventually led way to the slaughter of the Iraqi people. To keep the public unaware of the carnage, the official death count of US soldier and Iraqi civilians is purposely underreported deceased US soldiers are either being dumped into the Persian Gulf or replaced with clones. As of 2009, the total death count of Iraqi civilians now surpasses a staggering 1.6 million people. The same Cook statistics apply to the death totals on the day of 9-11. According to the government, 2,752 people died that day, when in actuality, 30,700 people had died. No one questions the insanely small numbers given out by the government because New York City is a large place. People who have lost loved ones do not make contact with other survivors, so they have no way of knowing how many people have truly died.
1: Right. And that is the, uh, the end of, uh, part two or part one right there. Okay. And I will post a link for the full video. Cause like I said, it's about an hour long. Um, <clears throat> it was released. If I recall correctly, I don't have the uh, YouTube channel right up in front of me, but I believe it was re- it was released back in 2016. Now remember, this is just right before Trump became president. This is when he was running for president. And from my understanding, this video kept getting brought down and there's many people out there, many patriots, including Destry out there that actually saved a hard version of this video because YouTube kept trying to take it down. And then many people kept putting it back up and they kept putting it back up and kept putting it back up over and over again. Well, now they got another problem on their hands because now not only are they going to have people putting it up. Over there, but now you're going to have the podcast getting thrown out there. Again, this is one of the main reasons why I just don't care about what happens with this podcast. I will find another uh, outlet. I'm not worried about that. Again, just, you know, again, if something were to ever happen where for some reason I got thrown off Podbean, just go to hishardline.com and go to the notices tab and I'll have uh, simple instructions of where I'll be at next. And so you have to really appreciate what has taken place in this nation. And if you recall yesterday, and yesterday is some of the sound clips I was playing yesterday, a lot of what has started taking place it started way back in the 50s. Again, one of the main reasons why I, in the EDU spot show that I do where I go over the field training manual 2000-25. That was when General Douglas MacArthur handpicked those special forces operators that I was telling you about back in the mid-50s to do a, to conduct an operation called the Restore America Plan, also known as Project Blue Book, because they knew exactly what had happened and where a nation would be headed had good men and women, good patriots who love this nation Had they not stepped up, they knew exactly where we were going to be headed. And so when we listened to Derek Johnson yesterday on some of those sound clips that I played, he was saying a little story about, I I don't know, I, I I was a little fuzzy on exactly where he was at when he was saying that he and another veteran who was in his like mid or late 80s, but served In the military back in the 50s, he said that he mentioned a few key words to this 80-some-year-old veteran, and his eyes lit up and was saying, Oh my gosh, it's happening. It's happening. I'm not going to sit here and claim I understand and comprehend the full scope of what's going on, because quite honestly, I don't. I am with all of you right now. I'm in the passenger seat just like all of you. The only one that's driving this car or steering this ship is God. I have no idea where this is going to lead. I have ideas and I have had people, you know, that uh, have a little bit closer ties to this than I do that have their ideas that I've been told to. And that's why I think a lot of what we're going to see here in the next few months is going to be very interesting. Now, remember, September is the last month of the fiscal year. So it should be very interesting to see what happens, not just in September, but then going into the new quote unquote fiscal year in October. I personally think it's October that we're going to see a lot of nuttiness, to be quite honest with you. That's just an assumption. I'm not privy to any spe- you know specific information, but we are going to see some pretty insane times here in the next few months leading to the end of the year. Times I don't think many people are really uh, know the full scope, including myself. I don't think we really fully understand the full scope of what's about to come. And when I say what's about to come, not that like everybody's going to die and the whole world's going to burn up and go up in smoke, but I'm talking about events that I don't think we have ever seen in the history of this nation or maybe even the history of this world, to be quite honest with you. I think it's going to be very spectacular. And so I found it very interesting, though, when I was listening to this video and he was going over all of the economic, you know, all the benefits of when the national economic, um, securities and reformation act also known as Nasar, when that gets implemented did you hear out of all those benefits right did you hear at all a big boatload of money is going to get you know hit everybody's bank accounts no what you heard was a wipeout of all debt that includes mortgages car loans um that's a popular one student loans okay it didn't say we're all going to get a big boatload of money because all the loans and mortgages that we've ever signed up for. Okay. Yes. And, and, and yes, part and parcel, we have signed up for them. So that was part of our our fault. But however, we were also deceived by a very evil criminal syndicate ran and operated by the elite and cabal that has been in operation for hundreds, if not thousands of years, thousands of years. But nowhere in that whole list of benefits of the implementation of an Asara did they say that you were going to receive a huge boatload of money and you're going to be rich beyond your wildest dreams. No. Now, if you're smart and you and take your fiat worthless dollars and put it into precious metals like silver and gold and maybe, I don't know, land, then you stand to set yourself up to you know prosper. But you're not going to become rich you're not going to get a boatload of money. That's not how that works. Yeah. You'll get your debts wiped out. Now that will be amazing. Now to me, personally, I don't need a big boatload of money because you know what, nothing good in life comes free. But I will say this, if all loans got wiped out, I'll be a happy camper. You know how wealthy I'll feel right then and there being, you know, knowing that, Oh man, I have this house and I don't have any more mortgage payments because again, it was all done fraudulently through a very evil scheme by the banks i mean it really is interesting and when we return back to sound constitutional money backed by precious metals yes we will still have banks and we will still have loans but you will have good solid lawful loans not ones that pilfer every red cent out of you i mean just the simple fact that we'd be able to keep our income taxes that we are that are often taken out incrementally out of each check, that right there will give you a huge raise in of itself. And if you don't have to pay three, four, five, six, ten, twelve, fifteen thousand dollars a year in property taxes a year, that right there boosts your wealth. The only money that, that that he was talking about in that video that would be, you know, large sums of money that would be given out is for humanitarian purposes. Now, what that looks like, I don't know. But for humanitarian purposes. Destry was just saying right here, JFK was the first attempt at returning to self-governing. And Nisara was the second attempt to return to self-governing. And now the National Assembly is the third and final attempt to return to self-governing. This is the third and final attempt. If we fail at this, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what lies over the horizon. I really don't. I pray to God that we're successful. As a people, I pray that we return back to God for one, because that's the only way we're going to be successful. We have to center God around all of this. We can't move forward without having God centered in our lives and centered in this nation. It's going to be very interesting to see what's going to be coming down the line. So we will be back on Friday. I sent Donna Brandenburg, by the way, I sent her a message via text. Um, I know she has me scheduled, according to Telegram, to come on her Brandenburg News Network show on Friday at 8 a.m. for like a couple hours. But I have so much I need to get to on this show. I sent her a text. I said, hey, look, I said, Donna, um, I said, I am still going to continue with my show, his hardline discussion on Friday at eight AM. Now, you are more than welcome to come on my show at nine AM, and we can round it out, you know, for that final hour of the show to ten o'clock. Or after I get done with my show on Friday, this part two of you know, the, you know, talking about Nassar here, or I can come and jump on your, you know, show at nine or you know a little before, a little after. Uh, so I haven't heard back from her yet on that. So, but either way, either way, I'm going to be here without a doubt at 8 AM on Friday. And I will, we were going to do the second part of this show. And like I said, the only reason I did this in two parts, uh, this would be a two hour show otherwise. And I just can't do that to you. I can't do that to myself. And quite frankly, it's just easier to, um, digest the information. But the only way, like Destry was saying, the only way that we succeed is we need all people to get involved. If not all people, we need a good majority of people to get involved. And so it's going to be very interesting to see what kind of things are going to be coming down the line here. So with that, I'm going to play the warrior's prayer, my favorite prayer. I love that prayer. I don't think I'm ever going to change that. I change a lot of stuff, but I love the warrior's prayer. So I'm going to play that real quick.
4: Heavenly Father, your warrior prepares for battle. Today I claim victory over Satan by putting on the whole armor of God. I put on the girdle of truth, may I stand firm in the truth of your word, so I will not be a victim of Satan's lies. I put on the breastplate of righteousness, may it guard my heart from evil, so I will remain pure and holy, protected under the blood of Jesus Christ. I put on the shoes of peace, may I stand firm in good news of the gospel, so your peace will shine through me and be a light to all I encounter.
0: I take the shield of faith,
4: may I be ready for Satan's fiery darts of doubt denial deceit so i will not be vulnerable to the spiritual defeat i put on the helmet of salvation may keep my mind focused on you so Satan will not have a stronghold on my thoughts i take the sword of spirit may the two-edged sword of your word be ready in my hands so i can expose the tempting words of Satan. by faith your warrior has put on the whole armor of god i am prepared to live this day in spiritual victory
1: amen amen indeed and i want to add to that because it is important to me i also want to add to that prayer that you all have a not just a blessed night but i hope you all are prosperous in your lives in your marriages in your families i pray that you all have abundance in good health because health good health is so important it is so important and I just pray that everybody takes extra steps and measures to lead a healthier life. I'll share something with you right now. I'm going to tell you um, real quick before we end this. Um, I'm, I'm in the process of losing weight. Now, before COVID came about, that whole scam, I had actually was at, at one point, I was 267 pounds. I was 267 pounds. Now I'm 6'3". So fairly tall. So the weight was stretched out pretty well. I didn't look like a big fat blob, but I was still heavy enough that my blood pressure was going through the roof. But anyway, long story short, I decided to do the keto diet, the, you know, the, lead a ketogenic lifestyle, I should say. I hate the word diet. And I had lost about almost 50 pounds, 49 to be exact. And my doctor, the year that I was overweight, he told me, he says your blood pressure is severely high you don't get that under control, you're going to have to get some medication. I said, okay, no problem. Well, I started reading books on keto and ketogenic diets and like eat, there's books like Eat the Yolk and Grain Brain and Wheat Belly and Lies My Doctor Told You or Lies Your Doctor Tells You and stuff like that and Effortless Healing, like so many good books. And then the following year I went for my annual physical and he, you know, we did blood panels and to sum it up, he said, your cholesterol, excuse me, not blood pressure, your cholesterol had dropped. 20 points. He goes, it's back into the normal range. And he goes, what did you do? And I looked at him, I said, doc, if I told you, you are going to hate me because all doctors that are in your field who don't know any better, absolutely can't stand what I'm about to tell you. He goes, well, what? So I'm just, I'm on the keto, you know, I'm, I'm leading a ketogenic lifestyle. I said, I just eat proteins, fats, and a lot of fruits and vegetables, mostly f- uh, vegetables. Cause you know, fruit, It's not really, you know, ketogenic friendly. So I guess you could say I was leading a more of a paleo hunter-gatherer type of diet, right? Just real food. And 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 he and by the way, yeah, Lizanel, he actually did notice I lost a lot of weight. He noticed I lost the forty-nine pounds. And so he asked me. He was baffled. He goes, "What did?" So he goes, "Okay, so you did the keto, you know, the keto thing. What do you primarily eat?" I said, I'm gonna give you a heart attack if I tell you, doc. He says, well, try me. I said, I eat a lot of bacon and eggs. Said, well, how much bacon do you eat? I don't know, about a pound every other day. A pound every other day? Yup. What else do you eat? I said, I, make, I, put, I smother my broccoli in butter, Kerrygold butter and salt. You what? Yeah. Well, would you eliminate out of your diet? I said, breads, pizza, cereal, pasta. Crap, cake, brownies, cookies, you know, the crap that really appeals to your, you know, inner fat boy. He goes, well, that's all you did? I said, doc, I said, it's very simple. When you eat carbs and you eat fat, saturated fat is good for the body. Salt is good for the body. But when you eat fat in combination with carbs, especially carbs that come from bread and sugars and stuff like that, The fat stores on your body and your body burns the carbs first. Hence why we get fat. I said, now you eliminate all the carbs other than the carbs that you get through like tomatoes and stuff like that. But I'm talking pastas, breads, pizza, stuff like that, sub sandwiches. I said, you eliminate all that and you just stick to real food and real meat, protein, fat, vegetables, basically God's food and you stay away from all that garbage, guess what? Your body becomes fat adaptive, so now when it burns all the carbs out and it has no energy to burn, it has nothing to burn up, it switches over to burning the fat off your belly, out of you know that visceral fat and fat from other areas like your face. He couldn't believe it. I told him about how I fermented my own vegetables to improve my uh, gut flora, because that is a very important aspect uh, with our lives in order to be a, living very healthy. I'm sorry to go on this tangent. Obviously, I I take a lot of passion. But ever since COVID happened, I got back to drinking. You know, I was so depressed with what was going on. I was drinking heavily. That's when my marriage was about to go south because I was engaged in just I was just terrible. I was a terrible husband. Well, I got my act together there, but I still had to wait. So. No more getting fat shamed. I got fat shamed at work and then I got fat shamed when I went to the Kalahari uh, indoor outdoor water park. I wanted to go down a certain water slide. And they said, uh, they said, uh, they said, um, uh, so they put you on this big giant scale and it says, if you're by yourself, you, if you're over 250 pounds, you cannot go down the slide by yourself. If it's like a tube, you know, a two, a, a two plus a one or a two person tube. Well, my niece wanted to go by herself as I wanted to go by myself. But apparently if you go together as two people, you could be 450 pounds. Well, I was going to go down by myself. So he's like, "All right, step on the scale, sir." I said, "Okay." So I stepped on the scale. The light turned red. It doesn't give you numbers; it just turns red or green. Red apparently means I was a fat, chunky butt over 250 pounds, and I couldn't go down that particular slide by myself. So the attendant comes over to me, goes, uh, "Sir, come here." I said, Uh-oh. And, "Uh oh." And he goes, "Well, uh, we got to talk." Um, and I looked at him. I said, it's not going to work out, is it? He goes, no, it's not going to work out. <laughs> and, when, <laughs> and when I went, when I told my wife that, she was like, man, it sounds like the water attendant was breaking up with you. I'm like, yeah. I said, I got fat shamed at the top of that water tower. It was humiliating. And I got fat shamed at work. I had a guy, the skinniest guy in my fleet. I was finishing up my shift and he walks up. He's a good guy. I like Steve. Steve's a good guy. But he walks up. He goes, what's going on, Mr. Jones? I said, not a whole lot. he goes, huh. I'm like, what? He goes, gaining a few LBs there, aren't you? I was like, huh? I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, yeah, gaining a few LBs. What do you think of that? I looked at him. I'm like, dude, I don't think much of that. I said, you actually kind of hurt my feelings, bro. I said, man, I said, easy for you to say, you skinny, bald, you know what? And he is. He's got a shaved head, but you know, he's a good guy. He's funny. But anyway, that's the end of my tangent. But yeah, so I, I say all that to say this. I am getting back to eating real food again. I am eliminating all the garbage. No more sugars. No more no more crumble cookie. It's so sad. No more Jimmy John's. No more pizza. I'm getting rid of all of that. No more beer. I'm done with the drinking. No more beer. If I, I might indulge in a glass of wine once in a while, but I'm done with that. I just, I'm so sick and tired of feeling like such a flub and I want to be healthier. I don't want to have high blood pressure or bad cholesterol. So again, I say all that to say this to you all. I pray that you all take the necessary steps to lead a healthier life because it is very important, especially if you have kids or you have grandkids, you want to live a long life. You know, my poor aunt, she died at the age of 53 a few weeks ago, 53. She didn't even have a chance to have her own grandchildren. 53. And so I just pray you all have great health and that God blesses you all with prosperous abundance in health. It's important. And so anyway, as I always say, what do I always say? Here at our line, you know we are firm we are steadfast and we are uncompromising that's what we always say the enemy has crossed that line for the last time and we rely on protection of divine providence and we will do our part as warriors for christ to hold that line like i said as it states in joshua 1:9, i command you be strong and steadfast do not fear nor be dismayed for the lord your god is with you wherever you go now proceed forward hardliners and never waver this is your land this is your country and this is your life own it and protect it Have a blessed day or night, wherever you're at in the world, and we will see you back here tomorrow. Thank you for joining us.
0: gentlemen i want to say thank you so very much for joining us here for another his Heartline discussion don't forget to share this website www.hisheartline.com share this podcast far and wide and remember as it states in joshua 1 9 i command you be strong and steadfast do not fear nor be dismayed for the lord your god is with you wherever you go And that's what it means to be a hardliner. We are firm, we are steadfast, and we are uncompromising. We are warriors for Christ and this is the Lord's fight. It's time to take this nation back and return God back at the top of the throne where he belongs. Thank you for joining us again and come back again. Have a blessed night.